All right, and welcome back to another episode of Geology on the Rocks, your one-stop shop for geology and rocking out. And I am your host, James the Geologist, and with me I have... Brian Baggins. Hey, sir. Hey, man. How are you doing? I'm uh, good. Sitting here sipping with you and uh, talking rocks almost. Cheers. All right. Well, (laughs) we've made it to episode 13. I'll tell you what, Brian, I'm going to feel like a, a professional, or not a professional, but at least a little bit... Like, I don't know, a little bit of staying power when we get, I think episode 20 or I think, or maybe 30, if we're at 30 episodes, I'm going to be like, what? How? How? How did we get to 30? (laughs) I don't know, but I mean, as long as it's still fun to make, I guess we're still going to make them. Yeah. So, uh, how has your week been, man? Uh, Out of 2020, this was the longest week. I don't, I don't know what it was. Like time was dragging and every week prior to that has been like, just go, go, go as far as work or I don't know. Maybe I was just always waiting for that next moment. Yeah. So it seemed fast, but this week was was just dragging, man. Just dragging. Ah, man. So I guess things are slowing down a little bit for you. Yeah. And it, and usually it does at at the office, at least in December, people take the entire month off, if not November and December. (laughs) Um, And I'm one of those guys. It's like, oh, well, I guess I'll stick around because I have nothing else to do. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So my my week so last week it was so i'm i'm finishing up my school and i know i texted you maybe a couple times but i'm like oh i'm writing this paper and <laughs> you know i i did my thing where i tried to interject my geology into it but man i'll tell you what writing a paper and working and doing all this other stuff i was stressed out so i i um i edited angela's paper and I decided to play the guitar a couple times during the week. <laughs> and why that's important is, is I didn't, uh, I turned my paper in four minutes late. So I got, <laughs> Oh wow. Yeah. And, and what, what damned me at the end was I forgot to put all of my references in alphabetical order and format them. So I was just like notes to myself and then push came to shove, shove, you know, like the last 30 minutes I was like, Oh God, conclusion conclusion okay (laughs) ah and then i look and i'm like oh my god nothing's in the correct order nothing's in the right format and i had like 10 minutes to do this and uh i probably had more than that but it it just i felt like oh it stressed me out and then i did something to where i i don't i don't know what it is but i did it to where it would so you know when you do the citations and you put you have to put the website in it and then it's not on that same line so i did this hyphenated thing but it did it throughout my entire paper and it kind of like messed up the formatting of where i had (laughs) hit enter at the the top of the page to go down to the bottom because if you have those little bit of i don't know (laughs) formatting but i looked at it and it I was like, oh God, she probably thought I copy and pasted like stuff because it was like, it had like breaks because I had press enter up higher up in the paper because I was trying to get it to format where I don't know what happened. So dude, isn't it crazy? Like when I, I battle formatting all day yeah. and I'm like, I fucking can tell you like nuclear chemistry shit, but I can't fucking make <laughs> my goddamn word cooperate. No, like, and I, there's, I've, I've screamed obscenities. <laughs> yeah, because you do one thing and I'm like, I have it hot. It was highlighted. So I thought it was only going to apply to that uh, highlight. <laughs> but I guess I did something to where it applied it to the entire paper. So, yeah, man, I'm sorry, man. It's all right. It <laughs> I, I at this point, I'm just like, well, I mean, it's you know, it's graduate school. It's like Ph.D. level stuff like I don't I feel like at a certain point you shouldn't there should no longer be grades because it's more about the depth. Right. And yeah. I feel like I I I had like 30 references. I mean, it wasn't like this little paper that I would just like strung together. And I was four minutes late. I never thought of like 
in a PhD program, you still have grades. I would just like, I'm with you. Like, is it reputable? Is your paper reputable in furthering some bit of the discussion? No. Yeah. And I get like, you do need some kind of like, this is where you need improvement. But at, at this point, I think it's you, you can tell by the t- style of writing that or even just like the quality of writing is, you know, it's light years ahead of, you know, entry level, like, you know, 13th grade, you know, entry level college level course. Like it's it's what I mean, I get anyways, I digress. Speaking of like 13th grade, I guess it whenever we had mineralogy, do you remember that extra credit paper we had to write at the end? Was in- that where we went to the museum? Yeah, and we had to write. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think I like got drunk, wrote that paper, oh. and I started like talking about <laughs> uh, metallurgy and alchemy, <laughs> and like <laughs> trying to like form gold out of antimony. <laughs> and they were like, "Dude, your paper was nonsense," but I like got drunk with you. <laughs> and they were like, That's fine, dude. So, so okay, so let me tell you a funny story. Okay, so when I was, I frick, what class was it? Uh, I think it was ecology, and we did this. A uh, semester-long uh, project with these little uh, uh, wheat beetles, or I don't know if they were bolivals. Do you remember? Yeah, yeah. I mean, did you ever take that class? No, but we did that in um, zoology. I thought. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, I never took I never took that class, but I it may have been the you know was it uh, what's his name the uh, old guy. Yeah, Rolke. Oh, yeah, he was awesome. Yeah, no, but I I feel like he taught this class too, so maybe it have been like that overlap. <laughs> but anyways, so. So like how I argue that why there was a, a decreased population and blah, blah, blah. I, I read in some like obscure thing that, that, that the beetle actually uh, practiced homosexuality, like <laughs> beetles, insects. He probably told you that or something. No, 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 no. no. And it was, it, it was like marked out in my paper because I, I think I was being sarcastic about it. And I was like, well, you know, this is, you know, because the Beatles were homosexuals <laughs> and they practice in homosexual awesome. media. And they were just it's like everywhere, man. It says no. no. Just- I mean, but I had incited. <laughs> Dude, he there's no way he's listening. So I, can say I was in zoology and I was like glazing over and then I look up and he's <laughs> typing in on his browser. I don't know. I think he meant to type YouTube. <laughs> typed you porn (laughs) (laughs) and everyone he just like it he didn't even play it off cool he was just like look (laughs) i feel like that's something i would do like just scrolling through my uh my pictures trying to show like a student like something (laughs) (laughs) okay all right all right well anyways okay so we're (laughs) on to episode 13 and this was actually brought to us by one of our listeners yeah josie okay Uh, geologist from wisconsin no michigan sorry michigan screwed that up yeah but so anyway she wanted to know about the lithium ion batteries versus oil and gas is it better i guess this is going to be our own spin on it so if we don't answer it exactly the way that you were intending we apologize but the episode we've called it the big lie so Whenever we're talking about this, we are not suggesting that this alternative energy is bad in any way. We just, we are going to, we're going to talk about lithium, what it is, then we're going to go into the the batteries of it. And then we're just going to talk about the, I think with new technology does need to be brought to light the, the repercussions if we're not aware of them, if we yeah. will. So, I mean, we're not going to argue the fact that, uh, that new energy and renewable energy is going to be worse for the environment because it's not, there's yeah. plenty of uh, research out there mm-hmm. that suggests that, that it, it is better. But first we're going to get into our new segment and it's called new news. So Brian. So I recently was reading an article and alligators... <laughs> 
can regrow their tails <laughs> as their lizard cousins can. Why? <laughs> So you're saying if I'm golfing in Florida and I run over a, a little gator, if I run over a gator with my gator and it do, yeah. now, so do they lose them at the same ability as, you know, so if like it's being eaten by another um, alligator. Yeah. That's what I was kind of thinking is like, like another alligator, maybe even human, like maybe rudder type stuff. So, yeah. but yeah, they can regrow them. Um, and so, yeah, like if you ran across an alligator with a little nub, <laughs> <laughs> so it, it re just regenerates because yeah. I meant like so this is this is the same hold true for crocodiles that I don't know but I would I would think so uh -huh. or what are what are the 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 caimans are those a little those are one? my favorite ones those in like the goyers uh, I don't know Goyer. I don't know they all they're all <laughs> crocodilian I don't know they look I mean I can understand why they still look that way and like people are like these are dinosaurs yeah I mean, they they look like that they're not dinosaurs but. yeah but birds are. I think we're always going to get it. But speaking of that, I was reading a article in, it was called the National Geographic. And actually, when we talked about you can't find dinosaur DNA, well, they have hints of the first dinosaur DNA. Yeah. Just like Jurassic Park. <laughs> so isolating the DNA, it's not what it seems, but what they have found is that fossilized. So what they've done is they've started studying fossilized DNA and, you know, I guess they've made some kind of breakthrough with that. So while studying a well-preserved fossil more than 70 million years old, a team actually identified the outlines of cells, forms that may be chromosomes and several possible nuclei. These structures that house, so they're basically the structures that house the DNA. What the heck? I know. It's uh, it's exactly what we were talking about. I would totally bring the dinosaurs back, I think. Well, haven't they tried talking about like like splicing in some like woolly mammoth and some of these extinct and make them uh, put them into like their extant like we're relatives. Screw everything up, aren't we? We yeah. already are. I mean. Yeah, <laughs> but so, anyways, yeah. So, like uh, the DNAs from these fossil cells, however, they they can't confirm yet whether or no the material is on altered DNA or on another genetic byproduct. But it's uh, pretty exciting. Wow. Yeah. Congratulations. I know, scientist. <laughs> so I had another one. This is about our, I guess, arthropod friend, <laughs> a tick. So dog ticks, yeah, they have done studies and <laughs> at 38 degrees Celsius, so that's about 100 degrees Fahrenheit, right? Yeah. They start to prefer humans. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you live in Texas like us and all summer long, these formerly dog specific ticks that carry Rocky Mountain fever. Yeah, that's what I was you. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Like not even that Lyme disease. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't want that because I it doesn't it like create something to where you no longer are able to eat meat. That's oh, that's the uh the lone star tick. Yeah. And yeah, it does that. Like you have allergic reactions to eating meat. Yeah, like red meat, like yeah. yeah, like life like do like, you have to go to the hospital? Yeah. Oh man. And like I feel like I could easily become a vegetarian. Like I don't I don't <laughs> I I don't like, I feel like it's one of those things that I could give up, but I don't want to. Yeah. Because, like, I don't know. Every time that, and it's not even, and I don't know what it is. I feel like the older I get, it's like uh, there's certain fast food chains that, like, whenever I eat it, like, just, I can't, like, so every time that I eat Jack in the Box, I throw up. And it's probably <laughs> something to do with the oil that they cook their food in. Yeah. And nothing to do with the meat itself. But who knows, man? But I, then I associate it with that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So my second story, Brian, is I have a question for you. What color is the sun white 
Shut up, man. Did you just read that? <laughs> oh. I think I read this. Part. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, damn it. <laughs> well, then you can help me along with it. Yeah. So like, uh, but like the most of the time when you draw it on a piece of paper, what color is the sun? Yellow. Yeah. So the sun is yellow. So the, <laughs> damn it. You threw I'm me, so you, th- you threw me all off. I was like, that's why I personally didn't put it in like the notes. Cause I was like, aha. Yeah, no. So like, um, we, what they've done is that they, we can see whenever they start studying the, the light coming in, we can yeah. see that it's broken up into the electromagnetic spectrum through a prism. So the prism breaks up the, the light into these individual wavelengths, right? So before, and that's based on like the amplitude of the photons, right? The, so before that is the ultraviolet light that we can't see. And before that's X-ray and then radio, something crazy like that, right? Or no, no, radio is much further along because it's the long wavelengths. But after that, you get the infrared, you get the, I think before that's gamma ray. That's when it's like, then it goes into UV, maybe then like radio ultra, but anyways, So what they've done is they've started actually studying this. The light coming in actually is they've measured it to all be the same wavelength, like all the different colors. So it's equal. So when people are like, oh, the sun's yellow. Well, I mean, like that's not technically true because it's equal parts red, equal parts green, it's equal parts blue, it's equal parts indigo, violet, red. It's all the wavelengths that equal. Like there are subtle differences, but it's not any significant differences. So the color of the sun is actually white. Like you said. Wow. Thanks, Brian. You threw me all <laughs> off. I, you, you killed my I energy. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't lie because we're already like, talking about the big oh. one. <laughs> I'm going to restart it. We've already had one restart, Brian. <laughs> okay, so today's episode is lithium. So it's just going to be one big topic. We figured we'd break it up with what a lithium actually is. Then we're going to talk about where lithium is found. And then we're going to talk about some of the extraction methods. Well, I guess we're not really good. We're just going to talk about kind of one of the main ways that they're extracting lithium. Then we're going to get into a mineral minute and we're going to talk about what it's used for, such as in the batteries, right? And then we're going to talk about the implications and then some of the downfalls. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the, the, the give and take between the infrastructure that's in place now and where we want to go. And then we're going to close it off with a little bit of that freaking rocks. And we're going to talk about MTV music videos. MTV. Yeah. So that's, <laughs> so lithium, what is it? It's an element. <laughs> so could you say it's 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 a it's a it's a mineral? Uh no. But what about when they extract it by itself? I've never understood why they call it mineral. Cuz it's you have the elemental minerals like copper by itself. This is right. a mineral. But like in our sense like a mineral, but it it actually doesn't occur by itself. Yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah, I know I get that, but what about when they do does it become a mineral? I mean, I guess it wouldn't it'd be I guess it wouldn't be man-made. Yeah. Cuz if you extract it by itself it's man-made. Right. So no. No not a mineral. So lithium is not a mineral. Change our minds. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it is, it is a metal. Okay. Um, and it's the lightest metal like Metallica. <laughs> Metallica. <laughs> oh, that, that wears metal. You go into a guitar center and that's all you hear. Oh, just God. that downstroke. Whenever I was reading about mineral, like my little thing is that it really shouldn't really even exist. So when we think about how all of the elements are formed, I was actually doing this. I was kind of, I surprised myself. I mean, like not surprised myself, but I was like, huh, 
that's I've been telling people the the wrong thing forever. Like when we talk about like star formation and how the he- heavier elements are made. So I always assumed that it, it it would go hydrogen, right? So then the hydrogen fuses together and makes helium. Yeah. And then I just thought, well, two plus one is three, which makes lithium, <laughs> the and then next one beryllium, yeah. and then boron, and so much. But that that's not the case. When stars fuse helium and helium together, so hydrogen. Right. So basically the the progression or the evolution of a star, like I think these are main sequence stars, right? So they they go the hydrogen and then all the hydrogen kind of uh, fuses together and then that helium ash falls to the center. And then that center it fuses together and I forget the word that they call it, but then the core becomes helium and then the helium, they start requiring more heat and blah, blah, blah. And then they start fusing together and then it's kind of, they call it a, uh, the energy generation is the key to a lifetime of of a star. So you have this proton proton chain and the the source of the energy of the main sequence stars but as helium builds up in the core the star must find another source of energy or it will die out. No one wants to die, Brian. No. So fusion can occur between any nuclei if the motion of the nuclei is fast enough to overcome the electrostatic repulsion between the protons. So the protons are what makes up the atomic number. Is that right? Yeah, it's so um the yeah, atomic number is that, but that's it's in the Nucleus area, yeah. right? And so it's the positively charged. All right. So then helium, there is twice the amount of electric charge. So you're going to need two protons to make that. So it's twice as hard to fuse them uh, compared to uh, just single protons together. So what happens is actually it's called this tripa alpha process. So three helium nuclei are actually going to fuse to form carbon. Two yeah. hydrogen or helium fuse first to form beryllium, right? BE. But then the beryllium is added to by another helium and then that forms carbon so we're going from if we're looking at the periodic table we're going from one to two and then we're going to two to six because it's this triple alpha process so carbon is the waste product plus energy in the form of gamma ray photons so the this this energy released by the triple alpha process it continues to heat the core raising its temperature even more under normal circumstances the heating would increase the pressure and the core would expand and cool so i guess basically the rest of this what i wrote down doesn't matter but against conventional wisdom (laughs) It, it this this element lithium it shouldn't technically exist is basically what i am saying <clears throat> yeah it's like hiding in the shadows while all the rest of this is so then from there it, it's weird is that you can get the six seven eight nine ten all the way up to iron right so chlorine oxygen all the way up to iron and that's really going to be the limit to where stars fuse we i'm sure we all know that that the stars they get so big as soon as though the one atom of iron uh, kind of is made then it collapses on itself and then you have like these super and then that's where that that immense light and how hot it is it actually is what creates all these heavier heavier elements such as gold silver platinum all these lead you know what i'm saying so that's where all these heavy elements so what we're left with is still the question of where is lithium coming from in the the sense of outer space right okay (laughs) so um so, um, so um, I'm doing it again. So, unusual lithium concentrations be observed in the future. We know that thanks to new measurements that it cannot be from the primordial nucleosynthesis of the Big Bang. Uh, they, they first thought that maybe that all of the lithium was made at the beginning of the universe when you just had hydrogen and helium. But what they noticed is like, so the most abundant elements in the, in the cosmos are hydrogen and helium. And then 
you would expect that there would be lithium out there. Right. There's not any lithium, or I guess there is, but it's just not just low concentration. Yeah. So where they, even in the super collider experiments that they do, that that's like they can predict hydrogen and helium, but then what happens to the lithium? Because that one's what's off. What they've what they've actually started to discover is we talked about supernova, but what's ap- actually happening is that they're just novas. So this is um, uh, <laughs> so they actually yeah. like so yeah so they recorded a recent nova from satellite images that blasted off huge amounts of unstable isotope beryllium seven and then what actually happened is that it degraded into lithium relatively quickly so within about fifty three days half of any given amount of beryllium seven will transform into okay. lithium. Then what a nova is, so how that's different from a supernova is that it's two different beasts. So while supernova are massive, one-time stellar detonations, uh, nova are repetitive phenomenon that occur between a white dwarf star absorbing hydrogen from another nearby sun. So it's this gas that's being like <laughs> dropped into yeah. the smaller star. So Yeah, that's, that's crazy, man. Um, and I never thought that because I remember reading papers and they were like primordial lithium. And that was probably 80s, like 1980s when these papers were written. But it just shows how much more we can learn, you know. Like yeah, just the more that later. the more that we have haven't even seen that it's this. Yeah, because I think what it was because primordial lithium six or seven, because there, there's those different isotopic ratios and whatever. But the Nova, right. So this uh, giving it off is well more than enough in one Nova. It's the amount of lithium. 10 times greater than that in the sun. Two similar nova a year would suffice to account for all the lithium in our galaxy, the Milky Way. So uh, they seem to be this predominant source of the okay. the lithium that we see in the universe. So that's cool. Yeah. So lithium, it, the its actual name, like bringing it a little back to terrestrial, it's it comes from the Greek lithos. And that means rock. That makes sense. Yeah. Right? Lithos, lithos, lithium. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Nice. And then I know we talked about it's it's... What I find is interesting, so you talked about it being lithos, but it's never really found by, in in nature, you don't just find lithium, right? Because that's one of the ones, if it comes into contact with water, it explodes, right? Uh, that was sodium, but lithium may also. Oh, uh, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe I just. Who knows? Yeah, sodium. What am I thinking? <laughs> I, don't I don't know. know those... I just remember those videos of people chunking sodium. Yeah. And it... <laughs> yeah. yeah, so lithium was first discovered in 1817 by Johan Alfred. Arfidson. Arfidson. He was analyzing a mineral called petalite. It's a phyllosilicate in pegmatites. Yeah. So that that Swedish dude. Did you have? Did you do you know anything about him? Uh, How shortly after he found like he isolated lithium because he studied like the uh, he saw the quartz and the the feldspars and he's like oh I kind of know what those are and then he disappeared from science. I'll say he, he isolated he, himself. Yeah, he lithiumed himself. Oh my god. Yeah. So where uh, is he now? I, <laughs> Brian dead. He's, he's not dead. Eighteen seventeen. Must have happened to him. <laughs> yeah, he was he was taken away. <laughs> <laughs> but so like, uh, what's really cool is that in eighteen hundred, uh, the Brazilian naturalist, his name was Jose Bonifacio de Ardrada e Silva. <laughs> He actually discovered the the petalite, which is a rare gem quality mineral found in the granites on the island of Uto. I don't know how to umlauts, so of Sweden. But he what he discovered interesting about this is that when he when thrown into a flame, that it actually created an intense crimson flame, much like the ringing. 
No, the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, that or <laughs> the the platypuses UV oh, yeah. crimson fur. That's so crazy. I've been thinking about that. I have too lately. Yeah, the advanced. They're like yeah. the dolphins from the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. <laughs> they are. Lithium is a large ion lithophile element. So what that means is each element will have an ionic radius. And that'll depend on where it'll fit into a crystal lattice. And so they measure like distances from ion to ion. And that will tell you like which one is like the large one of. You know what you're talking about? Is that the CN number <laughs> that they're yeah. talking about where where it's going to basically uh, it's atomic arrangement, right? So Yeah. Yeah. And like it, they can tell the size of just what a what a lithium ion would what that would be. And so since it's so large, that will play into why it's called an incompatible element. And so. As magma starts to crystallize minerals, lithium will stay in the melt until the very end, which is why you find it in pegmatites, like we talked about before. Pegmatites yeah. are usually at the end of a granitic magma. And so it it tends to go up into the continental crust through like active plate tectonics. It, it's been concentrated in the continental crust through partial melting under uh, mid-ocean ridges and volcanic arcs, which that'll carry the lithium up to the to the crustal rocks. Okay. Um, and it usually substitutes for magnesium and you also see some potassium. Well, aren't they on that, uh, all on the far left, like the heavy metals? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Or the, they're like the lithophiles. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. like all of their, yeah, the, and then I guess is magnesium a, a plus two or is it a plus one? Should be a plus two. Okay. Yeah. So. Cause it's, a, it can substitute for calcium. Okay. Also, yeah. But the potassium, is that a, is that a plus two or a plus one? I think it's a plus one. <laughs> Okay. No, I'm just because like you can the, the the beauty of the periodic table is how it's um, it's the the elements on the left side like they're the ones that are going to be more they're like oh, I'm going to give off the uh, the electron and then the ones on the right they're going to be like I'm going to take an electron but yeah. it also like so then you can kind of see their 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 sizes and where they'll they'll fit in together. Right. Yeah. And that that's why like you'll see like a lot of these elements migrate up. Yeah. And you'll find that the mantle can be depleted in them and the crust will be enriched. Yeah, and what I think is cool is like so you've talked about this volcanic arc and the mid-ocean ridges, but we'll we'll see in a little bit where we're finding them too. So yeah, yeah. So we'll get into it. Um, oh, which is the next one? Yeah. Where where is lithium found? Perfect. Where's lithium, Waldo? <laughs> so typically on Earth, concentrations will, like we said, they'll enrich as you go up higher uh, from mantle, like up to the crust. And so the mantle, its concentrations are typically about 1.6 parts per million. Uh, oceanic crust, which you know is old basalt that has been erupted at mid-ocean ridges, and then it'll migrate long plates to subduction zones. That'll have a concentration about 4.3 parts per million. Uh, and continental crust, however, is enriched in its general concentration is 20 parts per million but you're going to see that in areas where we're going to talk about mining for lithium uh-huh. we're going to have s- supremely enriched values uh, yeah. compared to that um and so it should also be said that like lithium is really soluble so any water interactions it's going to stay in that water just like it would stay in that melt and so i have a question for you james why yeah. does seawater have really low lithium concentrations like one parts per million why does it let me think about this because i know is it does it have to do with anything with the circulation and the residence time it does it also do you want me to tell you no yeah yeah i know yeah <laughs> it it fits very nicely in a clay mineralogy structure okay and so instead of it hanging out in the water 
it'll go down with like that ooze that's at the bottom of the ocean. And so it'll be stuck out there. And so that's like one of the places they're like, should we mine for lithium? Oh, yeah. Nice. Because I know uh, when doing this too, mining it, I know they can extract it from the ocean water itself. I mean, there could be a process of doing that. So, I mean, it would be like wiser such, I mean, like since most of the, the crust is silicon and oxygen, why is there such little concentrations in the ocean? But it's because of those silica tests. Like it, people use it for, I mean, they, not people, but the the organisms out there actually using that silica. So it's going to drop that content. Yeah. And I wonder, like, now that you say that, like maybe along like coastal systems, because you have the sediment plumes that come out, right? Yeah. And so maybe you would have suspended, that would be an easy catch for lithium. But once it gets off the continental slope, it'll be down it'll accumulate. Maybe you're right. Like in some areas it'll have enriched lithium. So they probably took an average, like I'm, I'm pulling stuff from the U S geological survey. That's like a pretty reputable government agency. They have a lot of really good scientists there, but a lot of research that I do, like if, if USGS is on it, I'm like, okay, I'm safe. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can report this, but they probably reported an average like the others. So there could be some intense variation. So I'm, I'm not sure about that. Cause I mean, the only thing that I would to counter that is that the overall mixing of the ocean is about every 5,000 years. So the, the, you would have to look at the residence time, like how long does it stay in the, in the system? So you can see if it's, if it's say that the residence time is 2 million years, right? If it's mixing over every 5,000 years, then you can say that it's, it's homogenous. Yeah. So that's how they know, like the, when we talk about the uh, chlorinity of the ocean water with the NaCl, the potassium, like all of those are pretty uniform. It doesn't matter where you're at. It's not stratified. I think it's more of the, the constant, like the, what's the word the ratio so it can be highly concentrated in like salt it can be because we know like the mediterranean or the atlantic is saltier than the pacific but the ratio of these elements inside whatever's making up this chlorinity is actually the the ratios are the same because of that mixing throughout the oceans so wow I don't know. That's cool. I mean, I like, so yeah. like, so I, I think that we're both, uh, when it comes to lithium, isolating it, like it does in the universe, we're kind of, we're, we're trying to make sense of it too. And that's why we're giving you all this background information. You're what you, what you research, what I research, right? It's, I mean, like, I feel like we're all trying to get to the same point. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And so I'd really be interested to read more about the seawater component, especially if like things are reported that it's low, where is it and under what circumstances would it be enriched enough to, to be valued enough for not mining, but you know what I mean? <laughs> well, no, but I feel like they could, there, they would be a way if you could just say like, if you had like a, a semi-permeal mem membrane that could, you know, pull out lithium and you just yeah. constantly have this water. I mean, if it's in equal concentrations, then they should know how much water to pump through this and then yeah. put it back. So I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. There's I well in the vastness of the ocean. So yeah, we're no, one parts per million, but that's <laughs> it's, it's 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 a big it's seven it's at seventy two percent of what covers the Earth's yeah, surface. Exactly, it's it's massive. So I guess we're not there yet. So the other type stars that we actually do mine lithium out of are closed basin brines, pegmatites, um, and that'll include like lithium enriched granites, lithium clay deposits, and to a lesser extent, lithium ze zeolite deposits, and then geothermal and oil filled brines. So I'll kind of touch base quickly on each of these. A closed basin brine, you would know these more of like being around like a salt flat, a salt lake. And what you have is you'll have a closed basin, it's basin and range. So you have mountains on each side of this, these basin valleys. 
And uh, you need quite a few things for this to happen. You need an arid climate. You need, it does need to be a closed basin. It needs to be, to have tectonically driven subsidence, uh, subsidence and igneous geothermal activity, lithium bearing, bearing source rocks, adequate aquifers to host this brine that's going to get uh, composed here in time. An example of this would be like the Clayton Valley over in Nevada and it's a basin and range west U.S. It was reshaped by interactions with adjacent plates in the Pacific. So Nevada actually, its current state has been stretched in eastern western direction about twice its normal width. Yeah, no, that's that's crazy <laughs> to think about, right? Because it's already a Fairly well-sized state. Basically from the Rocky Mountains to California, like, or I guess in between, like that whole entire area is like twice. So it's thinned out, but it's also raised up. Yeah, I guess it's like, I guess I read it wrong. Like it's been stretched. So it actually was a lot smaller, like when it originally. Yeah, so it would have been like more compact. (laughs) So it's like uh, taking, so if you were to take Laffy Taffy and I were to take one end, you were to take one end and you were just kind of to pull it apart and it kind of just, yeah, that's like. That's why it took them so long to do the election results. Yeah. Spread so thin. <laughs> no, um, sorry if anyone's from Nevada. Uh, so you, you, they also had in this area, they have snow melt flows up in the mountains. They'll come in, but they don't get out. And so what you have is you accumulation of all different types of elements. Weathering of rocks is going to deposit things. Once this water comes down and it dries up, you're going to have all these evaporites. Well, lithium, once again, I guess it just doesn't like to hang out with anyone. No. It, it just is like, screw you guys. Hey, like, I'm out. Yeah. It's kind of like the meteorite from Mars from last week in your story. is yeah, like, like, later, dude. <laughs> I've had enough. <laughs> but it ends up going into, like, it doesn't crystallize with the evaporites, so halides and gypsums and that kind of thing. And it will actually form in its on itself like a this bitter tasting residual brine and i don't know who decided like i'm gonna taste this like <laughs> well like i said last week like i mean i, I lick the rocks that's why I oh can that's date right you are, <laughs> i'm one of those i'm one i'm a, <laughs> i love a good salty brine <laughs> all right oh. that's my new name salty brine <laughs> salty brine yeah brine jeez hey salty brine okay so um and, okay so that brine is going to be denser than fresh water yeah obviously and it's going to sink into the subsurface and it collects in an aquifer or aquifers uh, i'm sure like if you deal in hydrogeology you know that you may have a main aquifer but you're going to have subsequent ones that are around so this it's going to collect down there um, can i tell you something about like a perched water table that yeah, i that i, I find would. amazing yeah so it creates uh artisan wells right so you artesian? have the, yeah, yeah artesian wells yeah. i mean we're going to talk about like artisan artesian mines but the why you have flowing water basically it emulated artesian wells and that that pressure gradient force of the water so like that's why the water towers are so high it's because the water yeah. will flow up until you get to the top of that 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 pressure line. Yeah, and people can make elevated water tables. I deal with a lot of that at work. We'll have a water table that was developed because we put a huge lake or we dammed up a river. And so it'll sit there and we have such high pressures that like the ground becomes <laughs> unstable. And we're just like, okay, sand's starting to come out there. 
Yeah, that's good. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So I, that's that's one of my favorite things is putting the two and two together, right? So like yeah. like just yeah, using that, that's that's a good point because you drive past these massive water towers around here, and you're like, why why do they have water towers? Yeah. So they they pump water up there. They have it, and that's what's creating all this this force of the water. That's why you have flowing water inside your houses. Yay! Thanks, Artisan Wells <laughs> and perched water tables. Yeah. Oh yeah. So so yeah, it goes in the aquifers, and then to be noted, like lithium's brought in by host rock weathering or hydrothermal processes. So that is the main type of deposit that you're going to find lithium in. It has it's 58% of the world's available resource resources as we know right now. The next, James and I have firsthand experience with this. They're pegmatites, and we've been to a lithium pegmatite in New Mexico, it's the yeah. Harding mine. And in particular, these pegmatites are called LCT or LCBE. <laughs> and that stands for they have lithium, uh, cesium, and tantalum. Or if in the case of the LCBE, it's going to be beryllium. Did you get any columbite or tantalite from there? I don't know. I feel I like someone did. I have lipidolite on this table right here. Yeah, I thought you did. Oh, yeah. Right there? Yeah. yeah, right there. Check out that lipidolite. And you got this from there? No, I actually bought that one. Oh, okay. Because this I, is like I do have, phenomenal. I do have uh, lipidolite somewhere around here on this table. We'll post a picture of, of yeah. it. So it's pretty cool. It's but it's it's a it's a mica that oh, has right lithium right there. The white one. Oh yeah, that bar. that's the one that I pulled yeah, for the mine. Probably like it's got so some. I mean it's not as pegmatitic as this one. Yeah, but that's that's yeah. But I got a whole bunch of this purple cool stuff. Purpleness. Yeah. So these are these are the we've talked we had a whole podcast on that. So I'm not going to go into it too much, but these are the places we find large, beautiful crystals. But some of these that host lithium are spodumene. That's going to be the main one. Yeah, that's, that's the one that, that they're going to be crushing up. I mean, like, I think in World War II, they use this and like kyanite for the aluminum in New Mexico. But uh, yeah. yes, I think spodumene is the main one. That it is. Using. Yeah. And it's a, it's a pyroxene. It's got a gem quality one. It's called kunzite. It's really beautiful purplish pink. So that that seems to be lithium's thing is yeah. like this purplish pink. Petalite, which we talked about earlier, elbite and uh eucryptite. So that's pegmatites. I think they're like like 20-ish, 28% of the world's resources in lithium. I will agree with you. Awesome. Okay, so lithium clay deposits. I talked about how lithium will avoid all <laughs> crystallization at yeah, all. Possible. I mean, it, it, yeah. But it eventually makes it into clay because clay just sticks everything together and it's like I I'm not going to let you go. No, I mean, but yeah, because have you ever put kaolinite on your tongue? No, I, you, <laughs> why do you do this? I don't know, but like, so that's how you can tell that it's kaolinite. Like, so you just, you can put it on your tongue and it just sticks to it because it, it's taking up all that uh, moisture. Weird. Yeah. So like I have like a size about like, I don't know, my fist and yeah. I can just have like a little bit of moisture on my tongue and I go like this and it just sticks to my tongue. It's amazing. Wow. It, and it, it doesn't grit between your teeth. If y'all have any questions on how anything may taste, please email us and only address James. Yeah. <laughs> I want you to put, what, what's the, what is the, to include or to say like, uh, this is for in the email. Damn it. What oh, do you say? Yeah. 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 Uh, attention to, yeah. Attention, attention to, to James. The attention liquor. to me. <laughs> not salty. Brian. It's not salty. Brian. Lickety lick. <laughs> <laughs> the lickety lick geologist oh James. Yeah. All right. So um those clay deposits, the clay mineral that forms with lithium usually is hectorite. So you'll find that's about seven percent of the world's reserves. Then next you'll all the rest of them are about like three or less percent. But uh lithium zeolite deposits, jaderite is a boron lithium silicate. 
And a zeolite is basically something that's a very low temp alteration product of other minerals in chemistry. So low, very low grade metamorphism or hydrothermal activity. Uh, okay. So like analcini? <laughs> yes. That is zeolite. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, and then geothermal and oil field brines, I Gotta admit to you guys, I don't know much about that, but it's no. 30%. So it's basically kind of like what you're talking about with the the basin and range. So Chile, it's this. Uh, they call it the lithium triangle, and it's between Chile, Bolivia, and Argentina. Yeah. So, yeah. but anyways, so how they do it is kind of similar to up here in the basin and range that we'll get to. But kind of like the oil and brine, like so, you go down into these into the the subsurface where you do have like kind of like this accumulation and then what they do is that that water gets brought up okay. and then they evaporate it out. Okay, so they let they let evaporation kind of cure yeah. the deposit. So that's, basically so if so extraction methods that would be for basin and range, any of the brines. So like anything that the host water. Yeah, and and I think they're called salars or sailors. Okay. S A L A R. I I'm not a pronunciator. I'm a a <laughs> a worder. A worder. Yeah, I'm a liquor and I'm a worder. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, yeah. So, like, so the the main the main ways that they're going to be getting the the lithium is through your open pit mining, like you were talking about. So, like with the spodumenes and lipidolites. Yeah. So that's a, that's it's a whole other process that we didn't get into because I feel like this can get long. Like we were like, man, are we going to have enough to talk about? Then nine pages <laughs> worth of notes later. Yeah. <laughs> so those are the extraction methods. We'll get into a little bit more of that too. But so, what is it used for? What can we use lithium? for and it's not just one way so what i found interesting is before seven up actually became a thing the soft drink which debuted in 1929 was briefly called the bib label lithiated lemon soda and its original ingredients included lithium citrate and this was to make its product stand out in a sea of over 600 other lemon lime soft drinks already on the market it was touted supposedly its positive health effects of the lithium and the soda which was released just weeks before the 1929 stock market crash. But anyways, lithium was used in 7-Up. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it was below like the personal exposure limit. <laughs> oh, I, mean, I, just, I, mean, I mean, they use it in medication too. They do, but like they have discovered it is toxic yeah. to a certain level. So it's Oh, like, it does create heart yeah. and kidney damage. Yeah. Weird. Wow. Like they put some weird shit in... <laughs> Sodas, like, yeah, Coca Cola. Yeah, have cocaine. Seriously, um, give me some of that. <laughs> please. I'm kidding. More generally, you're gonna see lithium used for ceramics, glasses, like your stovetops at home. If you have a glass stovetop, it's gonna have some lithium in it because it can stand high heat. It's not technically considered a refractory element, but it it can handle the heat. So, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, I need some lithium in front of you. Ooh, yeah, you're so oh. hot. You're so hot, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> Because uh, so uh, batteries are the uh, the the thing that we're we're wanting to talk about. Yeah, that we're gonna get to. Um, it is also used for lube. Give me some of that, Brian. <laughs> You're so hot. <laughs> some salty lube. Oh, okay. So uh, air treatment because it's so hot. Yeah. <laughs> Polymer production and uh, medicines for treating bipolar disorder. Yeah. So I like what I was reading about that is that lithium. Lithium, you know, you absorb it uh, in its, I, would, I don't know what it's mixed with, like the, the lithium travels and it's able to travel through your blood brain yeah. barrier. And then it goes through your neural pathways, your sodium, lithium, I don't know. Because it's like, a, it's a lithium carbonate. Yeah. And so maybe that allows the, maybe the HCL 
in our stomachs, right? We'll just yeah. disintegrate the carbon and separate the lithium out. Yeah, and then lithium travels, but it's able to go. I mean, and I feel like that's still not, they're not really sure, like, man, how does that actually happen? But they know yeah. where it goes and what it do. But Oof. again, the long-term effects. Yeah. Okay, so basically it's all about the lithium. But until then, let's do this. Mineral. Mineral minutes. Mineral. Mineral. Mineral minutes. Minerals. All right. So today's mineral minute is brought to you by the hydrosodium aluminum silicate anal semi. Anal semi is a member of the zeolite group and often <laughs> occurs with other zeal. So the name anal semi is derived from the Greek term an alchemos, meaning not strong in allusion to weak pyroelectricity exhibited by this <laughs> mineral. It is closely related in structure to the feldspathic group that is occasionally also with a similar mineral leucite. Although the crystal structure of anal semi appears isometric, it is usually off by only a fraction of an angle. Technically, this removes its classification from the isometric crystal system. Analysis of different anal crystals have yielded multiple results in crystal symmetry, with the most prevalent symmetry being tetragonal. Crystals do form in distinctive, well-shaped trapezohedrons, and the crystal of anal semi are usually equidimensional, though they are occasionally distorted. <laughs> Adal Sibi is white, colorless and tan, rarely yellow, brown or pink, and can be transparent to opaque. This mineral has a hardness of five to five and a half. Anal semi has a specific gravity of 2.2 to 2.3. It has a vitreous to dull luster. Anal semi has no cleavage and is a, an uneven brittle fracture. So this mineral forms in cavities. In <laughs> This, this mineral forms in cavities in igneous basalts and seams in diabase, in brecciated igneous contact zones, and in alkaline igneous rocks. Stay tuned for next week's mineral coming tonight. Mineral. <laughs> mineral minutes. Mineral. Mineral. Mineral minutes. Mm. Minerals. <laughs> Next week should be fun. Yeah. We go from anal see me to coming tonight. <laughs> oh, and yikes. The, yikes. Oh. And then all of this lithium lube. Yeah. Ooh, okay, man. So, all right. So the, the big issue. So why we're, I guess, kind of why we're talking about this today. So how is all of this going to be applied? What I, uh, well, oh man. So. Brian was the, uh, what did we say? You were going to be like the, the informative one. I'm going to be the alarmist of this yeah, episode. Yeah. The, the idea that they're used for in batteries. So we talked about batteries. So the real problem with batteries really is the single use. So there's a problem in of themselves. So we throw away billions of these single use batteries every year. So that's, that's a problem in and of itself. So that's where the, the prevalence of lithium ion batteries are considered to be good. And they have been widespread ever since the 1990s. So I'm sure you remember just the, the, not the, I, I remember, I mean, they used to be bigger, but whenever you started getting, uh, 
I don't know, remote control batteries that were able to be reused yeah. and then in, in your cameras and in laptop batteries and whatnot. So this is really the advent of the, the lithium ion battery. And I think I want to say Sony kind of developed it. I don't know. I, I may yeah. have spoke there. But it kind of came like made us more portable. Yeah. Uh, as a species. So I meant thanks yeah. lithium ion batteries. Yeah. But did you know that the basic chemistry was first discovered by the American chemist Gilbert Lewis back in the year of 1912? So this is not a kind of a, a new idea of lithium ion. So in fact, before that, in 1888, uh, Insert name of chemist. There was actually a, okay, so in 1888, there was actually a chemist who built wind turbines to actually power his house. So it filled up this battery pack. So how do these lithium ion batteries work? So do you know the basic how batteries work? Uh, no, I, I completely probably blanked on that physics too. Yeah, that in chemistry. So you basically have like this uh, positive and negative terminal, and then you have this electrolyte that goes in between. So you stick this metal thing in, and then it creates these ions, right? And then it's transferring those to the negative terminal, and then it goes through the circuit and whatnot. Basically how it works is that the the plus end uh, electrode, which I think they call is the cathode, which is going to be the lithium, whatever they mix it with. Yeah. So it's it's made from a lithium cobalt oxide. So I think they're called LCOs. So it's this lithium cobalt oxide. So LiCoO2. The new batteries are actually going to. Uh, I think there's another one that's like they use beryllium, but the new ones are actually I think they're they're getting away from cobalt, which we'll talk about here in a minute. But the the lithium iron phosphate is what they use as this cathode, so it's LiFePO4. So the the negative end or the electrode generally is made from a carbonate uh, a mineral called graphite. So it's you know diamond. It's what diamonds yeah. are metastable, right? It's graphite's what if like all diamonds would just exist for a while, they'd all turn back in. All those yeah. just carbon, but not it's- not for a while. I mean after a long while right? long long the they, long haul yeah <laughs> so when charging uh these lithium ions so we know when you put something in a battery you turn the flashlight on it's consuming that energy so what's happening with these lithium ion batteries what they've taken advantage of is that the ion flow actually goes in reverse so when you're charging it so it goes in play so what's happening is you're recharging what you've exhausted and what makes them special as such is that when you charge your phone for example there's systems in place to regulate actually those flow of electrons going back in that it's actually going to prevent this overcharging and overheating yeah so it'll last longer yeah so like basically like you can plug it in and it's going to go i mean like it has a finite amount because of that that cathode in there that 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 has that lithium it over time it degrades so i know some of these ones you know you have you know 500 recharges or you have uh two thousands as such in the electric vehicles that we'll get to here in a second yeah like so i mean like there's the it, it it's it, it will degrade over time. And the, and the fact that it does that is that you can't just stick these cathodes into another battery. It's like, so once you're consuming, you're going to have to do something with this thing. Yeah. So it's, it, it's pretty bad. So it's used in rechargeable batteries with such as laptop, cell phones, and electric cars, as you mentioned before, ceramic and glass. But so a report from 2009, which may be a little outdated at this point, but it showed that the lithium ion battery industry accounted for 21% of the annual lithium consumption. And and I'm sure it's a lot larger than yeah. that now. So like, I think from even 2018 to 2020, it's doubled. One problem with the lithium and lithium ion batteries is that when it comes to these electrical vehicles, is that the battery, when we think of, think of your cell phone as having just like maybe one tablespoon of this lithium kind of salt mixture, the electric battery, let's take example for the Tesla Model S, it uses 12 kilograms of lithium. 
right? So that's about the weight of a new car tire. It is the weight of a two-year-old toddler. It <laughs> is a 30-pack of delicious brewskis. Broskis? Let's cheers again. And we're cheersing to all the listeners out there listening yes, to us are. like stumble our way through lithium. <laughs> um, so when we think about the economics of the whole thing, so it's really considered this oligopoly. <laughs> How would you say that word, Brian? I don't know. All I see is a ligacine. I can't no, yeah, really I know. It's, it's a ligopoly. So <laughs> yeah. like a, a monopoly and a, an oligopoly. A a <laughs> so you have what that's basically mean. I mean, I feel like America is a, it's like, like an oligarchy. It's like you have the the ruling, like this very small, rich, the the top like one percenters. Yeah. Are, yeah. So, I mean, that's basically what it is. So there's basically four major companies that control the lithium market. And these four companies are SQM of Chile. They have FMC Core in Albemarle of the U.S. and Taliesin of Australia control 85% of this market. The, the possible downfalls with all of this. So, right. So as we know that global warming is a thing and we know what's is the 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 co2 going up into the atmosphere right we're 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 really scrambling to replace fossil fuels with clean energy and then the, the environmental impact of finding all the lithium required to enable that transformation could become a serious issue down the road if we don't think about it now so we need to like it's again what yeah, we said at the beginning is that it's not we're not saying that it's a bad thing right it, we're just saying that we need to be aware of what's going on long term yeah and while like i think it kind of rings well with what you just said was that this is one form of alternative energy that we could look at and we we can't ignore what the state is right now and how what's what's being done to achieve what we need and so those some of those things are very negative and i think that that's what this this segment's about the most it's not that hey is this is this better is this going to support the world in the long haul it's like how are, how are people doing it now and so i think that I will like step in just a little bit. And so I think we had a conversation before we started this that like, hey, there is enough lithium to sustain us for a very long time. There may be some scientists that think that like we don't know enough yet. And I think that's just because we have some unanswered questions geologically. Like why are some of the orogenies out there well endowed with these lithium, cesium, tantalum, pegnatites and others aren't. Same with the lithium brine basins. Like there's only a small subset of those that are, thankfully they have a lot of lithium in them. And so we're okay. But if we have a big change and we all go to lithium, I, I mean, I think there's just some uncertainty on what the supplies are and where we would find other reserves. Yeah. And before I continue that, but like how much are these uncertainties being sowed by the oil and gas industries? Because I know yeah. I read one report, oh, there's going to be this nickel crisis. Like they're going to increase like uh, blah, 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 blah. But it was actually put out by this uh, oil and gas company uh, <laughs> that was kind of, you know. Yeah. <laughs> again, it's take it with a grain of salt. Definitely. Like we said earlier, that 50% of the lithium reserve is actually going to be found in Chile and is known as the lithium tri triangle, which covers parts of Argentina, Chile, Bolivia, and they use this evaporation method in these salars. So I know we talked about salars and you talked about the evaporation method. Geographically looking at the globe, what do we see? Like, where is that at? So it's, and it's in South America, obviously, but it's going to be around this 20 to 30 degree latitude. Okay, yeah. 
back to drier areas. Yeah, but that's where we're going to get westerlies there, just like in the the United States. Think about basin and range. It's this rain shadow desert. Restated, where do these countries line up on Earth? Where we find this lithium triangle is actually going to be close or at the Atacama Desert. This is the driest non-polar desert in the world. And actually, it's going to actually receive less precipitation than polar deserts themselves. It's the desert plateau on the Pacific coast of South America between two mountain ranges of the Andes and the Chilean coast range. It sets up this unique double-sided rain shadow. And I know you talked about it earlier with the basin range, but the this rain shadow, so these range prevents uh, moist air from reaching this area of the Amazon basin that has moisture by the Andes mountains. And then the Pacific, it's going to avoid, or it's going to prevent this moisture from the West and the Pacific from the Chilean coast range. So my ADD just kicked in, and I, when you said double shaded rainbow shadow, whatever oh, the double rainbow, I just thought the, of that the dude. Double rainbow. Oh my god, it's, it's so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we let's try and get that guy on our. Um, I, I, I'm sure we could. Double rainbow guy. If you listen to our <laughs> please. podcast, please, please, please email me. Email us. It's geologyotr at, at gmail dot com. com. Yes. That's how you get hold of us or geology on the rocks podcast on Instagram. Yeah, that's easy. That's how you find us. I think it would be important to talk about what is a rain shadow because I know I, every time that you're like, oh, when you talk about the uh, the environment, well, no, the atmospheric portion, like what? Brilliant. Because <laughs> I don't know anything yeah. about it. All right. Well, I'm going to like a moron. <laughs> so I'm actually going to, I'm actually really, I'm going to post a picture of this rain shadow effect. So when I went up to Colorado the, the summer before we were all locked down, so yeah. it was, it was a year and a half ago driving up, I think, what is it? Is it 25 or is it 10? Not 10. Is it, where do you go? Up? I think it's 25 when you're driving up to Colorado. Yeah. I to Colorado. But anyways, so on the left, it was all rain because of the Rocky Mountains there. And then to the right, there's like a step. And a step is a semi-arid environment. But you could see atmospherically that at a certain point that it was all clouds and then there was no clouds to the right. And it was this rain shadow effect. And That's I, and so cool. And no, I've seen it too when I've been up there. Yeah, so the a rain shadow desert is formed on the leeward side of mountains away from the wind. This airflow is forced up and over the mountain, otherwise known as orographic lifting. So this is one of four ways that you have air masses that are lifted up right so orographic lifting and it's through the mountains as a result the air is forced up and then the pressure drops and this allows that the the air expands and it adiabatically cools to the point to where it reaches this dew point clouds form or moisture condenses onto the mountain surface itself so any and all moisture it's either condense and fall as rain or snow or it's just going to stick to the surface as dew but it loses all of this all of its moisture and then that air continues on to the backside of that mountain and then as you compress it, it adiabatically warms. When we talk about adiabatically cooling or compressing, it's your, it's basically, it's, there's not, you're not putting energy into the system. So you can think of it as like gas in a chamber. If you were to squeeze gas into, and it forces it, it heats it up. And then if you were to release it, it cools it down. I forgot to post that video, but I'm going to do it this week. Yeah. Of basically kind of this process that happens. Anyways, on either side of this mountain, it's creating this warm, dry air that's coming across it. This, this entire region, it actually receives on average about 15 millimeters or 0.6 inches of rain per year. And in some areas, it only receives 1.3 millimeters. So, I mean, that's that's less than a twelfth of an inch a year. That's not, I mean, like, I think that's like as much as a spit. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But that's, that's, and so like, how long have these evaporites like formations? Like what, 
What's the time? Yeah, yeah. At? So like the what we saw, kind of like what you see in the basin range, but here in this area. Uh, precisely is that the 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 presence of actually these evaporite formations it's been an area of arid environment for at least uh, around the triassic time so basically for the past 200 million years you've had this dry arid environment so now that we got basically the geology out of the way so the chilean salar de atacama is one of the places that mining companies extract lithium so this is a, a big mining like i'm talking like millions of square kilometers like it's this huge process so here what we see is that the problem with this is that the process of mining lithium requires an abundance of water. What you were saying earlier that they use these pools. So basically how they get these brines is that they are there's formations that are however deep in the subsurface. So what they're doing is they're actually in these in these instances is that they are taking water from somewhere. They're pumping it down into this lithium rich zone. Yeah. And then they're <clears throat> pumping that water back out which, into these salt flats. Which has to be a lot of water and pressure to get that heavier water out of there. So, like, we're not just talking about, like, flushing, like, just normal amount of water to just phreatically push water through. It's This has got to be substantial. No, yeah. So what actually is doing is there this specific salar, this one is in the area, is taking 65 freaking percent of this entire region's water supply. I know you may ask, well, well, farmers not up in the desert regions, they actually, this is also the area that they grow quinoa. Oh, okay. So it's yeah. not like up high in the mountains, but in the area they're in the lower latitude so basically like it's the atacama deserts too is like way up high in the lower regions you have farmers that they're actually having to import water from other areas in this area right <laughs> yeah to make their living than these other dudes are <laughs> yeah i mean like they and then you know i think there was like so whenever you when you talk about these geological issues and these resources it becomes geopolitical you had like people in chile the the government officials like there was almost a, a coup because there was talk of getting bribes and payments from this this mining company too. So I mean, there's there's a lot that goes into it that we're that we're really unaware of here in America. We're just we what we see is the end product of the cell phone. We don't see the beginning part where taking water from farmers. And then also, so there's the potential for toxic chemicals to leak from these evaporation pools into the water supply and pass the problem along. But what we see actually, one such chemical in the process used to convert the lithium into the form that can be sold is that they use an abundance of hydrochloric acid. And the other one is sulfuric acid that they <laughs> Both use. Both highly corrosive acids. I don't know if, if y'all have ever worked with that, but like one time I was in a lab <laughs> and someone forgot to, it was, it was a clean lab, so it wasn't like a during a class or anything, but so if you work in a clean lab, you should know what you're doing. Yeah. This should never happen. They did not tighten the lid on correctly. And so that hydrochloric acid, when I tried to, uh, when I picked it up, the lid just fell off and the hydrochloric acid went all over my leg. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And I like got naked. In the clean room. <laughs> I'm like, nope. But my, nope. my shorts were disintegrating. Really? Yeah. That's. Was, that's nuts. I don't know. Let me see. Hold on. Okay. Look next to the Rubik Cube up there. Yes. Oh, there it is. Okay. You have right. a Visine bottle. Well, no, that's actually, <laughs> yeah. So anyways, we're not going to say where I procured that hydrochloric acid. I had it down here because I was testing rocks. And then one class that I was on uh, Zoom for my youngest came up here and just started taking the bottle and was like, ah. 
Uh, he was like like trying to squeeze it. He lifted it up above his head and was like, ah. And luckily, I, it wasn't the case like that. But I I completely freaked out. And I'm sure all the people on my Zoom call were like, what is this dude's problem? And I'm like, no, it's hydrochloric acid. Don't, don't. That's so weird. I have a story almost identical. I was uh, out at a site and at this time I was shadowing another geologist. So, mm-hmm. um, there was a lead field, field geologist and I was like, dude, my allergies are kicking my ass. I need some eye drops. And he was like, oh, okay, here, use this. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, because it's in a visine bottle. Dude, that's how, did you not take it from UTA like that? Um, no. No. Well, mm. that's, is a, yeah. No, that's not how okay. I got that one. <laughs> but I... I was right here with it. Oh, and he was like, just like, oh, 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 oh. Like, yeah. he's just like laughing. And he like finally realized like this dude is about to put HCL <laughs> in his eye. Yeah, no. And that's like softening brain, your eyeballs. Like, <laughs> good Lord. Your son and I were almost the same. Yeah. No, I feel like every time like I mess with hydrochloric acid and I'm around it a lot, I get migraines. Yeah. I mean, it's even if you breathe it in, like it, it doesn't make you feel good. No, so. I think. Yeah. Because like whenever I'm teaching and I'm doing it all day and I'm like, oh, look at the effervescence. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. oh, this is cool. And I'm like, and I can feel like the the, the fizzing like popping on me. I'm just like, oh, oh. like I get, I don't get like migraine. I get like these ocular migraines where yeah. I lose vision in like my eyes. Ugh. It's weird. Anyways, I think that was a tangent. So yeah, yeah hydrochloric <laughs> acid, don't put it in your eyeballs. I think that's the, the key takeaway from yeah. today's lesson. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> when it comes to lithium, don't put hydrochloric acid in your eyes. Please. No, so like this, this it gets into the, the into the, in, it has the potential of contaminating water sources. So this, this process really, um, when it, when you, we talk about the, this is like the, I think the one time that we're going to talk about the, the chemical or the physical processes of uh, breaking down the rocks, like the, the other way, but in, Nevada, they end up processing it from minerals such as like spodumene. It has effects too. So like this Nevada researchers found impacts of fishes in a, in a population mm-hmm. as far as 150 miles downstream from a lithium processing operation. Yeah. And they like in, in that same area, I think it's that valley that we were talking about earlier. Yeah. They noticed all these plants were dying and they were like, okay, well, like it could be the salts, like, and like that, that could be what's going on. But they also found that the lithium concentration found in these plants were over a thousand parts per million. Yeah. Like in yeah. the plants themselves. Yeah. That's see like the unintended <clears throat> consequence. And I feel like all of this is unintended consequences that we're going to talk. Like. Yeah. And, and I mean, I know we're very different from plants as beings, right. But in these areas where we live in the U S where we have really strict, we have fairly strict <laughs> uh, environmental guidelines and we have personal exposure limits that like we're warned about the areas you're talking about. They may not have anything like that and usually will not have that. And so they're not clued into any of this stuff. And so these people come in here to make a lot of money yet. Yeah. uh, People suffer for it. Like I'm just thinking of these farmers you were talking about. And then I think about this too, that you saw that and it's nowhere in our notes, but when it does get into the water stream and you talk about the thousand parts per million in that they're seeing in these plants, there's this thing called biomagnification. We see this with Minamata disease with mercury ingestion. So there's, they, they have mercury pollution into the oceans, right? The primary producers, the algae, the, the photosynthetic, like they, they Mm -hmm. absorb it. Then the, the bigger animals, they ingest it, but they ingest 
so much of it that it's magnifying it in the in the next trophic level. Okay. Right. Yeah. So then the next trophic level up, eat you know, consume a whole bunch of that. So your bio you're magnifying that mercury. So you get end up with and then we eat tuna. And they saw this in Minamata, Japan, and it was causing this mental retardation and this really bad. It's called Minamata. You can look it up. I wonder. Eventually, are we going to have a process with yeah. unintended consequences that we're not even aware of yet? Right. Like, and, and so, like, we've established, like, lithium is not extremely toxic. Like, you have to have a pretty high amount of concentration to, to have that. But in these areas, like, if it's in the water and we know that it doesn't adhere or accumulate and bond well, and that's what we've, we've seen that, like, in the solar system, right? And yeah. also, like, with, with the rocks and the mantle, it wants to keep in the melt and it wants to keep in the water. It's very soluble you're not going to have this natural filtering that you would. And so like, while it may not be toxic at minimal levels that we may not be paying attention to it as much. So the cleanup may not be needed or it may not be known to be needed until yeah, we start. mess. <laughs> no. Yeah. So yeah. like, I think you brought it up on the last episode is like, we're not, I mean, we might not be asking the right questions or looking at it at a certain way. I don't know. Moving forward. I mean, like, I, I don't think I've ever seen a study is like the, the bio magnification of lithium in blah 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 because I'm like I didn't even know that the lithium in plants you know that a thousand parts per million I don't know if that's good or bad but I'm sure that you read it in a study and it's not a good thing because I know with nickel I think we should make this into an environmental series issue just like because like we're, we're about to get into cobalt which is needed in this, if you saw that with the cathode, mm-hmm. and that there is a real humanitarian crisis when it comes to that. And then also in Cuba with nickel, how much sulfuric acid that they're dumping into the ocean too. So with all this, but I'm not getting in, I'm, I'm getting into it now, but I'm not going to like further elaborate, <laughs> but yeah. it's alarming in chromium and like all of this, these that they're just dumping. Yeah. I know in Cuba, they were given a 10 year window just to be like, whatever you want. It doesn't matter if it's in a conservation area, just do whatever you want and get it wow. under control. You have 10 years. So from 94 to 2004, and they're one of the the leading producers of nickel, which is uh, one of the elements used in making lithium ion batteries. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, and that's the problem is like for us as I'll say it, like just civilians and consumers, we think that we may be supporting an industry that's good and it may be better than what the fossil industry is leading us down, like the fossil fuels. But we're just part of their little plan, right? Like, and it's, it's the guidelines are not where they are needed to be right now. No, not, not, especially with this emerging market as well. When we think of these lithium ion batteries, because I know like uh, in a lawsuit, when it comes to, when we think of these, so I'll bring up this point. Let me bring up these next couple of points and then we'll talk about the lawsuit. Yeah. There's this real inevitability that comes from this effect that it's going to, that mining comes, it's going to affect the soil and can even contaminate the air. So mining is really this invasive process. So not only does it scar the physical landscape, it's actually destroying water tables and it's going to pollute the the earth and the local water wells. So however, lithium is not the most problematic ingredient as as it can be potentially extracted from seawater. The two elements that really need to be mentioned when we talk about lithium ion batteries is cobalt and nickel. And I briefly talked about nickel, but what I wanted to talk to is, is, is about cobalt. And cobalt is almost only found in one region in the world, and that's in the Democratic Republic of 
the Congo and Central Africa. The price of lithium, I don't know, I think the price of cobalt has quadrupled in the last two years. And it's such a unique element that it can literally be found in the soil of the Congo. Right, so it's this pretty abundant thing. So you can just dig down a little bit and you can find it quite easily. So this has led to unsafe and unethical behaviors in its procurement. I believe that the word used in this instance is called artisanal mines and the cobalt is often so when we talk when, when i'm saying artisanal it's not like uh, oh i'm making like artisanal cheeses and i'm like this hum, hum, hum. <laughs> it's it's meaning that that it's this this is only really about 20 percent of the mining that's going on in the congo but we should be very very aware of it so it's these little i don't want to say mom and pop kind of shops but it kind yeah. of is when it's when we're talking about on the industry <clears throat> scale because what they're doing is is that it's being extracted from the earth by the hands of child labor and often even child or not that they're not giving the protective equipment necessary and when i say that is that they have these mining operations that they're digging down into the earth they're not uh, they don't have any structure so it's just these free form pits and they yeah. collapse on them sure yeah and i'm i'm talking like kids from like 4 years old and like I, I sent you a video and like I was watching it with my eight year old in the car. I was tearing up. And I'm like, because I'm just sitting yeah, here. I'm man. sitting here next to my kid on an iPad that they probably got like the the batteries that's used yeah. in my kid's iPad is probably, you know, could be at some point like this little bit of cobalt that was used by an eight year old that was they were talking about like beating this eight year like the kid was eight years old and they were talking about beating him because he forgot this thing twice. Yeah, it, it shows like I mean, we we talk, oh, like our, our world of the people of tomorrow will suffer if we don't find something. But if we don't do something as humans, and, and that's the problem is we'll, we're such a consumer driven world that we, we don't think about like what's, what's going on where this starts. And it's very much the end product. And I think yeah. we had this little bit of conversation before we started is that you have the, it's so driven by like the, the neoliberalistic kind of like this, uh, I don't know, you have these Chinese companies that will come in and they're just, I, I don't know how to describe it. It's the global uh, market of it is that it's so convoluted that you don't know where you're really getting it. So the ethical portions, right? So you have these companies that will come in and buy it. Yeah. And then that their parent company will come buy it from that smaller company. So then they are not implicated from, they're not the, the bigger company that will go and, you know, sell it to their battery making company. Like they didn't buy it directly from these artisanal mines yeah. that are using children that are, <laughs> They're making like eight pennies a day, getting beaten. They have the possibility of dying from these mines collapsing on them. And then not to mention is that they're digging down a couple of you know, 15, 20, 30 meters down, right? That don't, and then they're getting into the water table mine. So they're yeah. releasing all of these elements into the water table. Like I, I was watching well, this video and this dude had like this, they had like tumors all in their, yeah. like, their throats. Well, like if, so if cobalt is usually around like sulfides, right? Yeah. Um, and so like a lot of the really beautiful minerals that we would have like covalite for one. Realgar. You're right. Yeah. Like arsenic based, those Orpidate. all occurred together. So if you're out there mining, uh, and you've started to disturb the earth and then you get asked, it's like mine runoff. Yeah. But then you get in your water table, like these people, this is what they drink. This is their drinking water. This is what they bathe in. And we're over here. I, I hate to say it, but we're supporting that by buying the products that we do. And, and I know everyone hates those. God, we're, we're now those scientists that were like, we fucked it all up. <laughs> 
Like, no, but, but I we we have no, it, but but I, but I feel like this is why it's important to talk about now is because before it gets too prevalent. So like that's why you do see these companies that like uh, so there was a lawsuit that sued Apple, that sued Panasonic, that sued all of these battery you know companies. They they weren't suing the actual producers of the battery; they were producing the end product people. Mm. And I and and I and it was I don't know if it was more so like probably just raise awareness, but to the point that you have companies that are actively trying to get away from cobalt just because like you don't know where it's coming. So I feel like it's if if we don't do something like I will compare it to like they're going to be the blood diamonds of our generation. So it's yeah. going to be like like blood batteries. Energy is yeah like yeah. Oh man, and that's something that like we're gonna have to live with this. Like the people that have said all these things, they're gonna go and die off. But our generation is still gonna be held responsible for how we we do this. So yeah, like 2020's kind of been a year of change. Like it doesn't stop there. We still have to to battle this. We can't allow for people to suffer for our gain, even on our level. It's enough to where like I want to do an entire like this idea. I, I want to get into the idea of cobalt and nickel. And it might spur like other things that come up because I mean, it's, it, it, it's damning. If you just look up consequences of mining cobalt, there are, you will, it'll probably bring you to tears to see these kids yeah. like, uh, use the, uh, so anyways, yeah, moving from cobalt. So I just wanted to bring a little bit about cobalt because I feel like it's necessary to talk about. Well, it is because it, like you brought up, like it's tied into how these batteries are. No, yeah. and much so. So like, so when we talked about the lithium cobalt, uh, the way they have the batteries, it's like almost yeah. half of them are from cobalt. Yeah, and as much as lithium wants to be in isolation, it can't be. And so it's not just a one trick thing. Like you do have other forms of industry that have to be involved and you have to, we have to check all those. Yeah. And then cobalt, what I think was why it's, it partners with lithium because it, it does it's like cobalt is a alloy and it likes to be with other things as well. So yeah. another thing that we need to consider too, long-term consequences of these lithium ion batteries as a whole is that the, the consideration of recycling of the batteries in Australia, there's been research that's been conducted that shows that only 2% of the 3,300 tons of lithium ion waste were recycled. 2%. What we're going to see here is that, that, that the lithium cathodes degrade over time, so they can't simply be placed into new batteries. Plus, you never know at what point the battery it is when it throw it away, so you don't know at what point the degradation has occurred. It's why... It, this is one of the reasons why recycling cell phones is not really a cost-effective option. So people just throw it away and then yeah. they can crack open, leach into the water table. And it's not just the lithium in there, the lithium mine. I mean, there's other elements in there. So then comes the, the proprietary issue that these companies have. So companies are often extremely secretive about what actually is going into their batteries. So like once these... Like if you if you've used a lithium battery and it's spent, basically they have no lithium metal left. And it, it basically all converts over to lithium oxide. And so recycling for a while, they didn't do this because a lot of lithium batteries, they also would have reports of explosions. Yeah. And so there's like the like catastrophic point of that. But like once they like now we're because this is still new, they've figured out that lithium oxide, when we have spent all the energy out of the battery. It's unreactive. It doesn't produce hydrogen gas when it's exposed to water and it doesn't catch fire. So while that's happening, like 
we have to find an economical, responsible way to recycle these batteries. Because 2% of 3,300, like that's only 66 tons out of that. <laughs> that 66. Yeah. Like all the rest is waste. Waste. That's not acceptable. And if we're trying to transition from fossil fuels globally to this to a new like we have got to do something and so you and I aren't engineers where we are no and so as much as we would like to do that like some of you may be engineers so someone out there may be listening or they may be chemists like yeah like make it an extra uh, credit project the rest of us yeah we can lobby and everything there are people that can make a change and I hate to say it like more so than maybe someone else could so we we need more people to sit here and figure out what's the responsible way to do this yeah and and if there was a way that I could, I don't even know where I would begin or how you would be able to even like do that research in like a garage. <laughs> All I do yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know it's, I think it, it may be just a, a continued public outcry. Cause I think if you went up to and asked, well, maybe not here in Fort Worth, Texas, if you went and asked a general public person, they'd be like, yeah, I want to support a more sustainable earth. Yeah. Okay. Well there, it, it's not just that simple. <laughs> no, I know. Yeah. And I feel like that's why we're being, so maybe like, yeah, we need, I don't know. We can make a petition and Something. lobby somewhere. Like, yeah. I mean, at least, I mean, our, for our, 90 to 100 listeners that we get weekly. We may get shot. So if the podcast, <laughs> we may get shot in Texas. For no, no. So I used to work for in Austin when I lived in Austin. I used to work for the Texas campaign for the environment. And what we would do is that we would actually go canvas we'd go knock door to door to ask so before you had the lcd screens you remember those big heavy ass oh yeah like computer screens well what they had is a lot of lead in them yeah so what we do is we'd ask to get them to be recycled to us rather than just have them throw it away into the into that and then yeah you know so i so mean there's there's little initiatives yeah people care yeah no yeah. and i and i feel like once we get it a little bit more organized, I think what we want to do is do the community projects, but yeah. that's going to come at a different time. Yeah, it's coming. Yeah, it's coming. Because I, you know, <laughs> like this little platform that we have, I do want to not only like make the world a better place, but we should, you know, all together work together to make the world a better place. <laughs> it may not be coming tonight. No. But it's coming. No, next week's coming tonight. <laughs> And I can't wait. <laughs> so also, okay, so are they safer than fuel? So I think what we do need to kind of talk about uh, is assessing and reducing the environmental cost is much more complex issue than is initially would seem, right? Less durable yet more sustainable devices could entail a larger carbon footprint once you factor in all the transportation and extra packaging and whatever things that are going into that as well. So there's some research that suggests it might even lead to an actual increase in the carbon emissions. What I want to do is invite everyone into a little think experiment. Think about batteries for a second. There's never Never a one-to-one -one conversion when we're talking about energy being input and that energy being stored in the battery. It's going to require more input to create an equivalent amount of this energy output. The energy stored represents energy lost, right? That's another way of thinking yeah. of it. Let's say lithium-ion batteries are 80% efficient, which they're... I mean, like they can be like up to 90%, but we'll just say, you know, there's a range, meaning that for every one megawatt hour put in, you need our, the, the battery is actually only going to be getting 0.8 megawatts hours in return. So it's basically like a negative energy budget. Yeah. So, I mean, we bring this up, the, the energy efficiency of coal and burning gasoline is way worse, but that's direct <laughs> energy, right? Yeah. 
Okay, so another way of thinking this is providing one megawatt hour to a consumer then in turn requires generating 1.2 megawatt hours to be produced. So the more energy stored is equal to more generation has to increase to compensate for that. Let's consider if a coal power plant is used for providing the electricity to store the energy in this renewable energy, right? So as in the battery, but the renewable energy is used to displace fossil fuels. And then we know that that Fossil fuels have far less CO2 output than coal when it's discharged. The, the, what I'm saying is it's going to increase the carbon emissions. So it's not really increasing or decreasing. So basically, let me just summarize that because I it may have gotten confusing. Coal power plants are being used to at your home when you're generating it and you're putting more into it to equivalent it, but you're using these electric cars and they're replacing fossil fuels. So when they're discharging that, it's coming from the coal, which is burns. It's it's worse for the environment. The coal is worse than the what they're actually replacing. The infrastructure, I think we were talking about this too. There's not the infrastructure. So whenever we think of other renewables, such as like wind farms or solar power, the infrastructure can't handle if we everyone were to get it at one right now it's not enough to even yeah. hold any of this energy so you'd have to either release it or it'd be a waste yeah, yeah. so th- we don't have the infrastructure in place yeah that's that's the thing is like we so there's some studies out there that show like okay co2 output per gasoline car versus electric even if it is coal like still the the gasoline powered car emits more co2 but that's just talking about the car it's not talking about infrastructure to build a new like grid uh, and everything that can handle this but what we need to get to is that we're not relying on once again lithium can't operate on its own that um, we need another way for basically recharge and we have this out there it's just not set up, um, to my knowledge. There's not. There's yeah. Not. We have hydroelectric, wind, tidal, solar. These things, like if we put that in there, then the CO2 output is negligible. So that, like we said at the beginning, we're not saying that lithium energy as alternative source is not as, it's not. Um, oh, can't think right now. Damn it. No, it's okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit here and watch you struggle. <laughs> this is this is for when okay. you this is one for you laid out on me last week on air pressure. Yeah, I know it is. Seriously, I was like, <laughs> all right. So lithium as an energy source, it, we're not saying that it's not as advantageous as as fossil fuels. It it will be. It probably could be, but we can't operate in our current state. So that's where the thing is. It's like. Oh yeah, well it's better. It 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 can produce lower CO2 and it will not contribute to this global warming thing that's going on, but we have to get to where it's usable on the scale that we need it to be. No, yeah, cuz like right now what it's basically doing is it's not increase like so the use of all of these electric vehicles, they are not reducing the the energy crisis and it's just redistributing it, right? So you're offsetting it from the fossil fuels, but you're adding it from the the coal power plants. Yeah. And then I mean like I want to get into I'll make this I'll make this out here right now. What we wanted to do if uh if they're accepting is there's another geology podcast out there. They're called the Geology Flannel Cast. Yeah. So we challenge y'all to a an energy debate. We'll take whatever position you want and we'll talk about renewables or uh, fossil fuels. So if you're out there listening and you happen to hear this, we challenge you and we will have a debate on air. So it'd be yeah. James the Geologist and Brian Baggins versus the Flannels. enemies at the, at the Flannel <laughs> Cast. No, we, we appreciate that you 
have a podcast and you did come before us, but we're happy to be part of this. And I think that as scientists, we all have a responsibility to not only inform ourselves, but inform other people. Yeah. So we challenge y'all email us at... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you're like, yeah, we just want to battle. No, we're going to battle you so hard because I think they're up from Pennsylvania. Oh, okay. And they're all like, oh, we're cool. And we're like, but we're from Texas. Yeah, y'all. Y'all. <laughs> Kidding. Yeah. I listen to y'all. <laughs> you're like, that's my number one Spotify listen for the year. No, it's Geology on the Rocks. Oh, sorry. I I've listen to them just to see how much better we are. <laughs> battle oh. words. I hope, I hope they listen. That'd be I funny. Because so. then, yeah. All right. Uh, we hope that was enlightening. Again, we hope that it leads to further discussion. Like, I don't, I don't want any of our topics to ever become like, oh, we've already talked about that. We can't talk about that in future episodes because I, I think it all blends together. And I really hope that we can continue the ongoing kind of you know discussion because I feel like it's important as we move forward. So again, we're not discrediting renewable energy. We just need to be aware of all of the implications. And with that being said. <laughs> I think this week's Mineral Minute, uh, I think it's going to be, I know, oh my God, Mineral Minute. Because <laughs> it's our favorite. <laughs> I know, it's so good coming tonight. No, okay, so what we wanted to talk to on that freaking rock, I, I feel like this is going to be good. Like, so when you eat sushi, right, you take a bite of ginger to kind of to reset your palate. Yeah. Or when you're smelling cologne, you sniff coffee beans just to kind of like reset things. I feel like this is going to be like the ginger because that the the cobalt, I I, I feel like it's it's going to be like my rallying cry now that I've like yeah. learned about it. I'm going to be angry about it. I'm going to bring it up in every episode from like here forth. Yeah. But this, that freaking rocks, kind of got me excited this week when we <laughs> talked about the, the music videos. Yeah. So MTV. MTV. Dan, is that not a black? So it's still a, a station, but I feel like music has been very compartmentalized. Like... So if you think back to like the 90s, like, right, it was more of this industry that was kind of like pumping stuff out. And yeah. it was it was a very prevalent thing. And then they, like, I know music videos are still. Well, like you and I could shoot a music video and get it out there now. So yeah, like, it's that like, wasn't the case. No, like I remember turning on MTV or VH1 or Fuse and like these were big productions and that's all that was out there. Like you didn't get to see these stuff like my band would do or something yeah like, like well, you didn't have bands. you didn't have youtube you didn't have that you no. didn't have everyone yeah. flooding the market so it was very uh concentrated was, and special like yeah so it was like a pegmatite it was very localized and a big thing yeah and it was kind of like you'd watch these channels all day <laughs> like, all day all day so yeah. like so like so when we talked about this i the whenever i became conscious of like music video so it wasn't like this uh you know it's kind of like all these things like whenever you became like sports conscious and it, like when it comes to sports i remember like that defining moment and i was like oh this is i start remembering this in my my memories now but look, when we were talking about this like it was there's there's this one video and then once i started like looking at all these videos like oh sh- crap like i remember all these videos but the the one that sticks out into my head is bullet with butterfly wings <laughs> there it is by smashing, smashing pumpkins. pumpkins. Yeah, no, but like how irrelevant are smashing pumpkins these days like? I mean, like to the newer crowd that's 
like yeah but like for you and i there's no still, like, i know i know but like yeah. every time i hear that song I'm like spite of my rage i'm <laughs> yes. still just riding but so you gotta good. you gotta plug your nose and like he like he Billy and, like, people like tom DeLong, they can do the nasal and it's fine yeah like, but um yeah you're right like that was like forefront I mean, you would wait maybe all week to see this video come out. Yeah. And you weren't like able to scroll like it was at whatever, like the discretion of whatever channel you're watching. No, you were very much, you were reliant on those. (laughs) Yeah. Like the hourly programs. And you're like, oh, well, I have to wait till tomorrow to see that video again. Or you have, because (laughs) like I'd have to go to bed at like eight o'clock and then I couldn't watch uh, MTV all night. I always had to like sneak it in before they came home. I was a latchkey kid. Dude, I... I had to go to my friend. Actually, he's the bass player in my band now. So in junior high, I would have to go to his house to watch MTV. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, know. But and I, and I feel like it was a kind of. So I rewatched that video in preparation for this. And actually, the the bullet with butterfly wings from Smashing Pumpkins, they're actually in an open pit mind. <laughs> yeah. Not mind, mine. Yeah. It's like, whoa. I was like, what? This still still holds like meaning. And it's like, oh my goodness. So it does like, because we haven't done anything like, like I know we're like, we've developed, like you've developed a soapbox and I'm like, I'm going to help you. Yeah. Um, But you're right. Like these videos back then, like there, there's some videos now that I'm like, okay, like this still has a message. Yeah. Um, Like we put out a video. When was it? Like, I think it was last year for, uh, of the sea and like my beautiful daughters in it. But the message was just like this fantastical story. There was yeah. the, like back then, like, I don't know what it was. Like all the videos had like a really big meaning. Yeah. But I mean, like how about just, uh, raging this machine? Like their whole oh, like man. existence was like, right. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's like F the man. Yeah. And but like, just like the spite of my rage, I'm still just a rat in a cage. Like, ugh watching those videos of those kids like mining and talking about getting beaten. Yeah. dude. Good Lord. Like, yeah. Thanks for joining my soapbox, (laughs) Brian. I I will. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's make change in the world, Brian. We will. So I will see the glory of Gondor restored. Yes, you will. (laughs) Yes, you will. By Arda. (laughs) I don't know. So, but like, (laughs) by Yarda, by Yarda. Salty Brian. Oh, jeez. Uh, okay. Uh, no, okay. So, like, uh, man, so, like, I, so, it is the bullet with butterfly wings by Smashing Weapons, but, so, this was when I was in sixth grade. I looked up music videos of 1995, so that's how old I was in sixth grade. Yeah. So, it was, I, I know the year that I was in, because the, the, like, the fall semester, if you will, like, the fall half, it was 95, and then the, whatever grade I was in is that year I would advance, so that spring semester. So, yeah. in sixth grade, it was 96. I was going into seventh grade. So, seventh grade oh. was the fall 96, spring 97. So, it was, it's very easy to, to relate what year I was in. So, that's yeah. how it's how I was able to get to the year of the fall of 95 into 96 and I was looking up videos and I was like oh my god I remember all of these so like you were a sixth grader and, and that's how that's the age that these like pretty mature videos penetrated <laughs> like we were able to recognize like this is what music is like I, I hate to say that but like that's what music was then yeah uh, like no we, but I mean like I don't feel like I fully intend like I I didn't you know what I'm saying? Like, I was just like, man, I mean, this is awesome. Like, this is just like so new to me. So when we talked about this, one of the things is like, I was like, well, okay, so what was your first CD, your physical CD oh, that yeah. you ever bought or you got uh, given so to you? 
I probably would say it was probably Alanis Morissette. Nice. Jagged Little Pill. So that was like 94, 95. And that was, uh, I was actually in Germany then. And this other army brat, I guess you would be an Air Force brat. Are they called the same thing? Akia. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds like we're German. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Lessons on Rauchen and Zigaretten. Hey, that was good. I did four years of German in high school. Did you really? Yeah. Did you really? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, no, so this, this dude was like, hey, man, like, my parents want me to listen to this. Will you? Oh, Rammstein. They're like, my parents want me to let me listen to this so you can have it. And so I, like, put it in my little discman in my corner of my room and would just listen to this thing. But um, that was my first CD. Um, and I, I actually don't remember any music videos from that, but my first music video that like really hit me was damn it by blink One Eighty Two, And I think that was 97, <laughs> which would have been out, been about sixth grade for me too. So I think there may have been like this thing that like that we happens, ready. that yeah. happens. Yeah. My first CD was offspring Hell smash. Yeah. That is a good record. No, no, no. It was, it was a fucking amazing record. Oh, I was like I was in fourth grade. What? I was, How was, did you acquire? It was this? my tenth birthday, and my mom bought me a CD player because that's when CDs were first like coming out. And I was like, I want Offspring Smash. <laughs> now, if you've ever listened to Bad Habit, yeah, I'm going to say this once on the podcast, and I'm going to say these naughty words. The main, like, the end of it when it breaks down, it says, and I quote: "Now imagine." 10 year old James just like, this is the best thing that I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> now, my mom is from England and she's a proper lady. <laughs> now, imagine <laughs> I, <laughs> my CD player was blurred up as loud as it could, right? And it says, you stupid, dumb shit, goddamn <laughs> motherfucker, <laughs> like angrily screamed. Oh, God. Like, Amazing. her face turned as red as, <laughs> as, the, record, as the platypus's skin turned yeah. under UV right. <laughs> and when you put lithium under a flame, it turns lithium red. That's my mom's face. So it's, this is, like, this is basically nostalgia of, like, what we were exposed to when we shouldn't have been. Yeah, no. Yeah, but like, like, so, like, okay, so I'll take an example number two. I loved Silverchair. Oh, yeah. Dude, they, they, they so, that frog oh stomp, dude. Okay, now imagine six-year-old, seven-year-old. I'm in seventh grade, not six-year-old, but I'm in seventh grade. When you hear suicidal dreams, like, <laughs> and you're, like, screaming, you're like, I, was, I, was, I told I, I remember riding to soccer <laughs> practice in my stepdad's Jeep. I was like, I love this song. my suit. Oh, God. I kill myself <laughs> from holding my I breath. Like, my, I mean, like, and then, and then, like, to further compound it, and I feel like that's why uh, my parents probably ended up <laughs> moving in from the seventh grade to eighth grade is because I had, like, in seventh grade, I had two friends. I mean, they were boyfriend and girlfriend, but they double suicide, killed themselves. Oh, shit. Dude. And then over that summer, I had another friend that killed herself by hanging herself from a... Yeah, so I mean, it's like wow. there. I mean, like we I feel relatable, like relatable. Yeah. So my parents were like, oh, "You probably shouldn't uh, be hanging out." No, not not. <laughs> they never said anything about music, but they were like, "You probably need to move school, so we're gonna go ahead and move." Yeah. So I mean, like, I don't think that was the reason, but I feel like it definitely made the the moving school districts a lot easier for them. Yeah, and I think that like, it, it, I don't know if you were like me, but I was really influenced by music. Um, no, like, yeah. 
like like I brought up, damn it, like I was really influenced like freaking Blink-182, like be a rebel, do stupid stuff at school. Like I, because of Blink-182, I was in charge of the marquee outside instead of saying like <laughs> public, whatever, public meeting. Did you leave out an L? Yes. Pubic? I put pubic meeting. <laughs> It's like, why? Hey, dude, we could have been like, Blink 182. We could have been best friends and like <laughs> all that. So stupid. Like, like we, I was like, my family always went to school, like to church, like all the time. Like, and so when they heard this, they were just like, they didn't even know what to say. But much like you blaring music, I was thinking of the Alanis Morissette record. And it's like, there's lyrics in Blair that were like, would she go down on you in a theater? <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, I hope. Yeah. Hey, did you know there's a musical of Alanis Morissette? What? It's called Jagged Little Pill, I think. Well, then I got to see it. Yeah. No, I think when COVID, I think uh, we were talking about that tonight. Uh, is that whenever this is all over, we're going to go, I don't know, maybe go to New York and see it. But yeah, but there's cool. a Alanis Morissette. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, but okay. So I'm just going to list. Okay. So 1995 music videos that I was just like, oh my God, TLC Waterfalls. Oh yeah. Of course. Green Day when I come around. <laughs> that is a good song. Who do you the Blowfish? I only want to be with you. What? Yeah. Alanis Morissette. You ought to know. You, you. Dr. You. Dre, keep their heads ringing. <laughs> Weezer, Buddy Holly. That record, dude. We, you know what we never did? What? We were going to be a Weezer cover band and only do the Blue Album. I know. Oh, no, that and uh, Pinkerton. Pinkerton, yeah, of course. No, oh, but yeah. Pink Triangle is a great song. Okay, so like we're on to 15. Seal, Kiss from a Rose. <laughs> Red Hot Chili Peppers, My Friends. Okay, yeah. yeah. Silver Chair, Tomorrow. That band is incredible. Smashing Pumpkins, Bullet uh, with Butterfly Wings. Notoria B.I.G., Big <laughs> Papa. Dude, I lived in the age of like, <laughs> like, uh, like awakening yeah. of like, oh my God. Madonna, take a bow. Alanis Morissette, hand in my pocket. Uh, the Rembrandts, I'll be there for you. I'll be there for wow. you. Dude, Bush, come down. White Zombie, more human than human. <laughs> like, I remember all these music videos. Montel Jordan, this is how we do it. This is how we do it. And that's right, 31, man. dude. So it goes on. Sheryl Crow, Strong Enough, Naughty by Nature, Feel Me Now, Collector Soul, December. Collective soul. Do 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 do. Goo Goo Dolls name that came out then. Presidents of the United States of America. Lump. Dave Matthews Band. What would you say? I'm I'm just talking like all these Bush. Everything's in the Cranberries. Ode to family. The Toadies. Possum Kingdom. Which they're from here. Like those dudes are actually. Uh, when we we have a new EP coming out, and I recorded all my guitar parts at the Toadies guitarist little studio. Oh, really? Yeah. That's it, awesome. I, he came in, and he was like, oh, so like, what amp are you using? You sure you don't want to use mine? And I was like, I do, but I, I don't think I'm worthy <laughs> to touch it. Dude, you should have been. You should have. I didn't. I, I sucked. Like, I just didn't. Should I keep going? Of all these? Yeah, like, go. These, let's, not, let's do like five more. Better than Ezra. Good. Yeah. Bush. Little things. Foo Fighters. I'll stick around. Nirvana, the man Nirvana. who sold the world. Nirvana was still like that. Yeah. Hey, and then they have a song called Lithium. Yeah. Weezer, say it ain't so. And then let's see, who do you <laughs> the bullfish time? Dude, there's just, I, dude, I just feel like there was a Bush, Glycerin, D'Angelo, Brown Sugar. There's so many. And I, I was just like, oh my goodness. Like, yeah. I remember all these videos and it just all came back to me. So like, I music is a very, a very... It's kind of like a, a smell, kind of like it'll bring you. So when I smell certain colognes, I remember certain times of oh, my yeah. awkwardness and my time frames. <laughs>
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I like I remember like clearly tenth grade reminds me of Aqua de Joe by Armani. Oh my god, I remember that stuff. Then everyone had to have it or you were a loser. Yeah, like I remember eighth grade, it was Tommy Hilfiger. And now I'm like, I just have beard oil. Like that's my That's all you have? <laughs> no, have- dude, I'm still very much so like and then I'm a weird one and I always put on cologne after I take a shower and I go to bed. I, that's that's basically the only time I put on because I don't go out anymore. Yeah. So I'm like, hey, smell me before I go to bed. <laughs> so I'm like Pretty <laughs> <laughs> good, dude. Dude, I liked it. Yeah. This was great. Well, and let's cheers it one more time. Cheers to you, uh, to our listeners, to Josie for giving us this topic. And we appreciate all submissions. Like, well, we'll talk about anything. anything Hydrogeology. Geology. Yeah. Hydro. Oh, man. That was my one thing on the Asbog that I like didn't do too hot on. And I'm like, yeah, God. but I want you to see, look, this is one of our longer episodes. And it was probably one of our more passionate ones where we're just I feel like there's a a lot that needs to be acknowledged. Yeah, so yeah. this has been another episode of Geology on the Rocks. We appreciate your, if you've stuck with us this entire time, we hope that it was enlightening. Then we hope that we kind of, maybe music videos kind of like reset your palate and you'll listen to us the, yeah. the next week. So maybe I, we like sparked something in you to join our, our soapbox. Yeah. And if you're listening, Flannel Cast Geology Podcast up Please. in Pennsylvania, <laughs> take us up on our offer or, or don't, if or you, don't. if you don't, if you don't respond to us, then we'll just think that you're you're scared of it so yeah so this has been another episode of geology on the rocks i'm your host james the geologist and with me brian baggins and we hope to hear you on episode 30 all right i promise one of these times you're doing you are doing your my rap you're doing your rap too and it would have fit. Oh man, we gotta get to it. Yeah. I could have, I could have done something. There's a video out there. <laughs> I don't want to.